Welcome to the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ explained, confirmed, and vindicated by Dr. John Owen. We will be continuing to read from page 140 for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts, are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Give yourselves to reading. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Renounce as much as you will all light literature, but study as much as possible sound theological works, especially the Puritanic writers and expositions of the Bible. The best way for you to spend your leisure is to be either reading or praying. And now, to SWRB's reading of the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, explained, confirmed, and vindicated, which we hope you will find to be a great blessing, and which we pray draws you nearer to the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come unto the Father but by Him. John 14, verse 6. Chapter 8 Imputation of the sins of the church unto Christ, grounds of it, the nature of its suretyship, causes of the new covenant, Christ and the church one mystical person, consequence thereof. Imputation of sin unto Christ, testimonies of the ancients unto that purpose, Christ and the church one mystical person, mistakes about that state and relation grounds and reasons of the union that is the foundation of this imputation. Christ the surety of the new covenant. In what sense? Unto what ends? Hebrews chapter 7 verse 22 opened. Mistakes about the causes and ends of the death of Christ. The new covenant in what sense alone procured and purchased thereby. Inquiry whether the guilt of our sins was imputed unto Christ. The meaning of the words guilt and guilty. The distinction of rietas culpea and rietas panea examined. Act of God in the imputation of the guilt of our sins unto Christ. Objections against it answered. The truth confirmed. Those who believe the imputation of the righteousness of Christ unto believers for the justification of life do also unanimously profess that the sins of all believers were imputed unto Christ. And this they do on many testimonies of the scriptures directly witnessing thereunto. Some whereof shall be pleaded and vindicated afterwards. At present we are only on the consideration of the general notion of these things and the declaration of the nature of what shall be proved afterwards. And, in the first place, we shall inquire into the foundation of this dispensation of God, and the equity of it, or the grounds whereunto it is resolved, without an understanding whereof the thing itself 
cannot be apprehended well. The principal foundation hereof is this, that Christ and the church in this design were one mystical person, which state they do actually coalesce into through the uniting efficacy of the Holy Spirit. He is the head. The believers are the members of that one person, as the Apostle declares, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. Hence, as what he did is imputed unto them, as if done by them, so what they deserved on the account of sin was charged unto him. So is it expressed by a learned prelate, non-English words. And again, non-English words. The ancients speak to the same purpose, non-English words. And so speaks Augustine to the same purpose, non-English words. Quote, We hear the voice of the body from the mouth of the head. The church suffered in him when he suffered for the church, as he suffers in the church when the church suffers for him. For as we have heard the voice of the church in Christ suffering, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Look upon me. So we have heard the voice of Christ in the church suffering. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? But we may yet look a little backwards and farther into the sense of the ancient church herein. Christus, says Irenaeus, non-English words, and again, non-English words. In this of recapitulation, there is no doubt, but he had respect unto the anakephaliosis mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10. And it may be that this was that which Origen intended enigmatically by saying, the soul of the first Adam was the soul of Christ as it was charged on him. And Cyprian, on bearing about the administration of the sacrament of the Eucharist, non-English words, he bare us, or suffered in our person, when he bare our sins, when Athanasius affirms of the voice he uses on the cross, Uk autas ha koryas ala hemes en ek eno pas contes emen. We suffered in him. Eusebius speaks many things to this purpose, expounding those words of the psalmist, Heal my soul for, or as he would read them if, I have sinned against thee. And applying them unto our Savior in his sufferings, he says thus, non-English words, quote, because he took of our sins to himself, communicated our sins to himself, making them his own. For so he adds, non-English words, making our sins his own. And because in his following words, he fully expresses what I design to prove, I shall transcribe them at large, non-English words. I have transcribed this passage at large because, as I said, what I intend to prove in the present discourse is declared fully therein. Thus, therefore he speaks, quote, How then did he make our sins to be his own, and how did he bear our iniquities? Is it not from thence that we are said to be his body, as the apostle speaks, you are the body of Christ and members for your part or of one another. And as when one member suffers, all the members do suffer. So, 
the many members, sinning and suffering, he, according unto the laws of sympathy in the same body, seeing that, being the word of God, he would take the form of a servant and be joined unto the common habitation of us all in the same nature, took the sorrows or labors of the suffering members on him and made all their infirmities his own. And, according to the laws of humanity in the same body, bear our sorrow and labor for us. And the Lamb of God did not only these things for us, but he underwent torments and was punished for us, that which he was no ways exposed unto for himself. But we were so by the multitude of our sins, and thereby he became the cause of the pardon of our sins, namely, because he underwent death, stripes, reproaches, translating the thing which we had deserved unto himself, and was made a curse for us, taking unto himself the curse that was due to us. For what was he but a substitute for us, a price of redemption for our souls? In our person, therefore, the oracle speaks, whilst freely uniting himself unto us, and us unto himself, and making our sins or passions his own. I have said, Lord, be merciful unto me, heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. And quote, that our sins were transferred unto Christ and made his, that thereon he underwent the punishment that was due unto us for them, and that the ground hereof, whereunto its equity is resolved, is the union between him and us, is fully declared in this discourse. So says the learned and pathetical author of the homilies on Matthew and the works of Chrysostom, non-English words. He speaks of the church, so they speak often, others of them, that he bare us, that he took us with him on the cross, that we were all crucified in him, as prosper, quote, he is not saved by the cross of Christ, who is not crucified in Christ, end quote. This, then, I say, is the foundation of the imputation of the sins of the church unto Christ, namely, that he and it are one person, the grounds whereof we must inquire into. But hereon sundry discourses do ensue, and various inquiries are made, what a person is, and what sense, and in how many senses that word may be used. What is the true notion of it? What is a natural person? What a legal, civil, or political person? In the explication whereof some have fallen into mistakes, and if we should enter into this field, we need not fear matter enough of debate and altercation. But I must needs say that these things belong not unto our present occasion, nor is the union of Christ and the church illustrated, but obscured by them. For Christ and believers are neither one natural person, nor a legal or political person, nor any such person as the laws, customs, or usages of men do know or allow of. They are one mystical person, whereof, although there may be some imperfect resemblances found in nature or political unions, yet the union from whence that denomination is taken between him and us is of that nature 
and arises from such reasons and causes as no personal union among men, or the union of many persons, has any concernment in. And therefore, as to the representation of it unto our weak understandings, unable to comprehend the depth of heavenly mysteries, it is compared unto unions of diverse kinds and natures. So is it represented by that of a man and wife not as unto those mutual affections which give them only a moral union, but from the extraction of the first woman from the flesh and bone of the first man and the institution of God for the individual society of life thereon. This the apostle at large declares, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 32, whence he concludes that from the union thus represented, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, verse 30, or have such a relation unto him as Eve had to Adam, when she was made of his flesh and bone, and so was one flesh with him. So also it is compared unto the union of the head and members of the same natural body, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and unto a political union also between a ruling or political head and its political members, but never exclusively unto the union of a natural head and its members comprised in the same expression. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15, Colossians chapter 2 verse 19. And so also unto sundry things in nature as a vine and its branches. John chapter 15 verses 1 and 2. And it is declared by the relation that is between Adam and his posterity, by God's institution and the law of creation, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, etc. And the Holy Ghost, by representing the union that is between Christ and believers by such a variety of resemblances and things agreeing only in the common or general notion of union on various grounds, does sufficiently manifest that it is not of, nor can be reduced unto, any one kind of them. But this will yet be made more evident by the consideration of the causes of it, and the grounds whereunto it is resolved. But whereas it would require time and diligence to handle them at large, which the mention of them here, being occasional, will not admit, I shall only briefly refer unto the heads of them. Number one. The first spring or cause of this union, and of all the other causes of it, lies in that eternal compact that was between Father and the Son concerning the recovery and salvation of fallen mankind. Herein, among other things, as the effects thereof, the assumption of our nature, the foundation of this union, was designed. The nature and terms of this compact, counsel, and agreement I have declared elsewhere, and therefore must not here insist again upon it. But the relation between Christ and the church, proceeding from hence, and so being an effect of infinite wisdom, and the counsel of the Father and the Son, to be made effectual by the Holy Spirit, must be distinguished from all other unions or relations whatever. Number two. The Lord Christ, as unto the nature which he was to assume, was hereon, predestinated unto grace and glory. He was proagnosmenos, foreordained, predestined before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. That is, he was so as unto his office, 
So unto all the grace and glory required thereunto, and consequent thereon. All the grace and glory of the human nature of Christ was an effect of free divine preordination. God chose it from all eternity unto a participation of all which it received in time. Neither can any other cause of the glorious exaltation of that portion of our nature be assigned. Number three. This grace and glory whereunto he was preordained was twofold. Parentheses number one. That which was peculiar unto himself. Parentheses number two. That which was to be communicated by and through him unto the church. Of the first sort was the charas henoseos, the grace of personal union, that single effect of divine wisdom, whereof there is no shadow nor resemblance in any other works of God, either of creation, providence, or grace, which his nature was filled with all, full of grace and truth and all his personal glory, power, authority, and majesty as mediator, in his exaltation at the right hand of God, which is expressive of them all, do belong hereunto. These things were peculiar unto him, and all of them effects of his eternal predestination. But he was not thus predestinated absolutely, but also with respect unto the grace and glory which in him and by him was to be communicated unto the church. And he was so. Brackets number one. As the pattern and exemplary cause of our predestination. For we are predestinated to be conformed unto the image of the Son of God, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Hence, he shall even change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, that when he appears, we may be every way like him, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Brackets number 2. As the means and cause of communicating all grace and glory unto us, for we are chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and predestinated unto the adoption of children by him. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. He was designed as the only procuring cause of all spiritual blessing in the heavenly things unto those who are chosen in him. Wherefore, brackets number 3, he was thus foreordained as the head of the church, it being the design of God to gather all things into a head in him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10. Brackets number 4. All the elect of God were in his eternal purpose and design and in the everlasting covenant between the Father and the Son committed unto him to be delivered from sin, the law, and death and to be brought into the enjoyment of God. Thine they were and thou givest them me. John chapter 17 verse 6. Hence, was that love of his unto them wherewith he loved them, and gave himself for them, antecedently unto any good or love in them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Revelations chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Brackets number 5. In the prosecution of this design of God, and in the accomplishment of the everlasting covenant, 
in the fullness of time, he took upon him our nature, or took it into personal subsistence with himself. The especial relation that ensued hereon between him and the elect children, the apostle declares at large, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 to 17. And I refer the reader unto our exposition of that place. Brackets number 6. On these foundations, he undertook to be the surety of the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. Jesus was made a surety of a better testament. This alone, of all the fundamental considerations of the imputation of our sins unto Christ, I shall insist upon, on purpose to obviate or remove some mistakes about the nature of his suretyship, and the respect of it unto the covenant whereof he was the surety. And I shall borrow what I shall offer hereon from our exposition of this passage of the Apostle in the seventh chapter of this epistle, not yet published, with very little variation from what I have discoursed on that occasion, without the least respect unto, or prospect of, any treating on our present subject. The word enguos is nowhere found in the scripture but in this place only. But the advantage which some would make from thence, namely, that it being but one place wherein the Lord Christ is called a surety, it is not of much force, or much to be insisted on, is both unreasonable and absurd, for, first, this one place is of divine revelation, and therefore is of the same authority with twenty testimonies under the same purpose. One divine testimony makes our faith no less necessary, nor does one less secure it from being deceived than a hundred. Secondly, the signification of the word is known from the use of it, and what it signifies among men, so that no question can be made of its sense and importance, though it be but once used. And this, on any occasion, removes the difficulty and the danger. Tone, hepox legamenon. Thirdly, the thing itself intended is so fully declared by the Apostle in this place and so plentifully taught in other places of the Scripture as that the single use of this word may add light, but can be no prejudice unto it. Something may be spoken unto the signification of the word in guas, which will give light into the thing intended by it. Gualon is vola manis the palm of the hand. Thence, this enguas, or eis ta gualon, to deliver into the hand. Enguetes is of the same signification. Hence, being a surety is interpreted by striking the hand. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger... So it answers the Hebrew, non-English word, which the Septuagint render in Gua'o. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 1, chapter 17 verse 18, chapter 20 verse 16. And by Dai en Gua'o. Nehemiah chapter 5 verse 3, non-English words, originally signifies to mingle or a mixture of any things or persons, and thence. From the conjunction and mixture is between a surety and him for whom he is a surety, 
whereby they coalesce into one person, as unto the ends of that suretyship. It is used for a surety, or to give surety. And he that was, or did, not English words, a surety, or become a surety, was to answer for him for whom he was so, whatsoever befell him. So is it described, Genesis chapter 43, verse 9, in the words of Judah, unto his father Jacob concerning Benjamin, non-English words, I will be surety for him, of my hand shalt thou require him. And undertaking to be surety for him, as unto his safety and preservation, he engages himself to answer for all that should befall him. For so he adds, If I bring him not unto thee, and set him before thee, let me be guilty forever. And on this ground he entreats Joseph, that he might be a servant and a bondman in his stead, that he might go free and return unto his father. Genesis chapter 44 verse 32 and 33. This is required unto such a surety, that he undergo and answer all that he, for whom he is a surety, is liable unto, whether in things criminal or civil, so far as the surety ship does extend. A surety is an undertaking for another, or others, who thereon is justly and legally to answer what is due to them, or from them. Nor is the word otherwise used. See Job, chapter 17, verse 3, Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 1, chapter 11, verse 15, chapter 17, verse 18, chapter 20, verse 16, chapter 27, verse 13. So Paul became a surety unto Philemon for Onesimus, verse 18. In Gue, non-English words, an undertaking or giving security for anything or a person unto another, whereon an agreement did ensue. This, in some cases, was by pledges or an earnest. Isaiah 36, verse 8, non-English words, give surety, pledges, hostages for the true performance of conditions. Hence is non-English words. Arabon, a pledge or earnest, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Wherefore, enguas is non-English words, one that voluntarily takes on himself the cause or condition of another to answer or undergo or pay what he is liable unto or to see it done, whereon he becomes justly and legally obnoxious unto the performance. In this sense is the word here used by the Apostle, for it has no other. In our present inquiry into the nature of this suretyship of Christ, the whole will be resolved into this one question. Namely, whether the Lord Christ was made a surety only on the part of God unto us to assure us that the promise of the covenant on His part should be accomplished, or also, and principally, an undertaker on our part for the performance of what is required, if not of us, yet with respect unto us, that the promise may be accomplished? The first of these is vehemently asserted by the Socinians, who are followed by Grotius and Hammond in their annotations on this place. The words of Slichtingius are non-English words, after which he subjoins a long discourse about the evidences 
which we have for the veracity of Christ. And herein we have a brief account of their whole opinion concerning the mediation of Christ. The words of Grotius are, not English words, which are an abridgment of the discourse of Slechtingius. To the same purpose, Dr. Hammond expounds it, that he was a sponsor or surety for God unto the confirmation of the promises of the covenant. On the other hand, the generality of expositors, ancient and modern, of the Roman and Protestant churches on the one place affirm that the Lord Christ, as the surety of the covenant, was properly a surety or undertaker unto God for us, and not a surety and undertaker unto us for God. And because this is a matter of great importance, wherein the faith and consolation of the churches is highly concerned, I shall insist a little upon it. And, first, we may consider the argument that is produced to prove that Christ was only a surety for God unto us. Now, this is taken neither from the name nor nature of the office or work of surety, nor from the nature of the covenant, whereof he was a surety, nor of the office wherein he was so. But the sole argument insisted on is that we do not give Christ as a surety of the covenant unto God, but he gives him unto us, and therefore he is a surety for God and the accomplishment of his promises and not for us, to pay our debts, or to answer what is required of us. But there is no force in this argument, for it belongs not unto the nature of a surety, by whom he is or may be designed unto his office and work therein. His own voluntary susception of the office and work is all that is required, however he may be designed to induce or undertake it. He who of his own accord, does voluntarily undertake for another, on what grounds, reasons, or considerations soever he does so, is his surety. And this the Lord Christ did in the behalf of the church. For when it was said, sacrifice and burnt offering and whole burnt offerings for sin, God would not have, or accept as sufficient to make the atonement that he required, so as that the covenant might be established and made effectual unto us. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 and 7. He willingly and voluntarily, out of his own abundant goodness and love, took upon him to make atonement for us, wherein he was our surety. And accordingly, this undertaking is ascribed unto that love which he exercised herein. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, Revelations chapter 1, verse 5. And there was this in it, moreover, that he took upon him our nature, or the seed of Abraham, wherein he was our surety, so that, although we neither did nor could appoint him so to be, yet he took from us what wherein and whereby he was so, which is as much as if he had designed him unto his work as to the true reason of his being our surety. Wherefore, notwithstanding those antecedent transactions that were between the Father and him in this matter, it was the voluntary engagement of himself to be our surety, and his taking our nature upon him for that end, 
which was the formal reason of his being instated in that office. It is indeed weak and contrary unto all common experience that none can be a surety for others unless those others design him and appoint him so to be. The principal instances of suretyship in the world have been by the voluntary undertaking of such as were no way procured so to do by them for whom they undertook. And in such undertakings, he unto whom it is made is no less considered than for whom it is made. As when Judah, on his own account, became a surety for Benjamin, he had as much respect unto the satisfaction of his father as the safety of his brother. And so, the Lord Christ, and his undertaking to be a surety for us, had respect unto the glory of God before our safety. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more, at great discounts, are on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, A.B., Canada, T6L3T5. If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com or swrb at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list. So once you've sent us your email address, you'll be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential, and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line. Once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc., that SWRB makes available on the web, as well as, at times, to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends. But we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way, and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading. And remember that Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 states, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. 
live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you.